morning. How we doing? Good. It's good to see you guys this morning. Cody, uh, during that, she just looked at me and she said, James, there's just so many things that's hard to choose. It's like, that's right, baby. You know how to do it. But uh, so I don't know how that went for you, but it went good for me. Uh, I want to read this for this is not going to be a verse that's going to be on the screens or anything else. So uh, I'd encourage you, bring some form of the Word of God with you to church, whether that's on your, on your phone or on a, an actual Bible. Like, they still make those. There's actually companies that still make paper Bibles. And uh, so, but uh, I want us to go to this verse in James chapter 1. I'm going to be reading this out of the Amplified Version this morning. James chapter 1, starting in verse 2. James chapter 1, say amen when you're there. Okay, four of you, I'll wait a little longer. Say amen when you're there. Okay, we got, I think maybe 30%, so we're gonna go ahead and go. Uh, It says this, consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing, everybody say testing. Testing of your faith through experience produces endurance leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. How many of y'all know we could use some peace these days? But there's a peace that is not found anywhere but in Christ through spiritual maturity. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith Lacking in nothing. So today I want to talk about the test that we face. Uh, how many of y'all know we've been a little bit of a test for a while now? The thing is, typically, you want to get ready for a test, right? Like, if I, if I go back to school, one of the things for me in school, I was not a good test taker. How many of y'all were not good test takers in school, okay? Uh, I was not, like, I think that was everyone in the room. Like, I don't think one person's like, I was great at tests. Okay, well, I'm glad I'm speaking to the right crowd this morning. Uh, There's different kinds of tests, though, right? Even when I was in school, like if I was in sports, when it was a physical test, that's a little bit different because, you know, that's just like a gut check. Like, you can can have some perseverance. You can kind of make it through those kinds of tests. But then there's, like, the big test, the semester tests, you know, and those are a little overwhelming. You know, you got to study. How many of y'all know I'm a procrastinator? Like I was jamming the night before or, or in the hallway right outside the class just trying to get ready for this test. Uh, but, but then my favorite were always the open book tests. Come on, those are some good tests, right? Because, because I could just, I, I'm good at getting through something and looking for stuff. Like I, I feel like I feel like there's a lot of open book tests these days. Like kids these days in school, like they don't have it like we had. And then the worst test, pop quizzes. Come on, I would just panic. I just immediately break out sweating, hyperventilating. I just wasn't, I wasn't good at those. God wants you to pass his test, but your faith will be tested. And most all the time, it's gonna happen through pop quizzes, not necessarily tests that you can prepare for. Those are usually the tests that we wind up facing in our lives. So today I'm gonna look at the life of Abraham because Abraham, his whole life was like a series of tests, just one thing after another, walking through this. So Father Abraham, come on, how many of y'all remember Father Abraham, the song 
growing up. I don't, do kids even learn that these days? In, uh, we gotta teach them, Bernie, make sure they're learning Father Abraham. Because it's like the Christian version of the hokey pokey, right? Because it's interactive, everybody has to, I want all the kids to stand up right now. Come on, let's show the, ki- let's show the parents, kids, stand up. Stand up, kids, come on, give them a hand, encourage them to stand up. Oh, even the older kids. Okay, we're just gonna do one part of this song. I'm not, I, 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 I don't wanna go through the whole thing, okay? But we're gonna do this together. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, Father Abraham. I don't have any idea what this ever had to do with Father Abraham, but this is the way that Sunday school teachers would get energy out of the kids, right? Because you go to right arm, left arm, you get both the arms going, right foot, left foot, okay? And then you get to the end and you say, turn around, sit down. How many of y'all remember Father Abraham? Come on now. (laughs) But that's all we knew about Abraham. That's all we learned about Abraham in Sunday school. But there's a lot more to his life and everything that he went through. In the life of Abraham, we're going to see, I think, four basic tests, the test of life and how faith is tested. First test is this, major life changes. Major life changes. So our text is gonna be in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Instead of going to the Old Testament, we're gonna look at how the New Testament saw the life of Abraham. It says this, starting in verse eight. By faith, everybody say faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. And even though he did not know where, everybody say where. Where he was going by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him to the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. So the first major test is major change. So God asked Abraham to pick up everything he had and move to another place. And Abraham asked him, where? That's a pretty reasonable question, I think, right? So he asked God, where? God says, I'll tell you later. Well, how long is it going to take? I'll let you know. Well, how do I know when I get there? I'll let you know. Would you follow God like that? Would you follow God like that? I mean, that sounds like a bad road trip, much less a bad life. Like, you imagine if I did that to Cody? Hey, Cody, hey, uh, I want you to get the kids packed, every, everything ready. We're going to load up, and we're going to go. Where? Don't worry about it. I'll tell you when we get there. Okay, how long do I need to prepare for? Don't worry about it, I'll tell you when we get there. But what, I don't understand. <laughs> how far is this? I'll tell you when we get there. She'd have me tested for drugs. It just wouldn't sound like it would make any sense whatsoever. But this, this is exactly the position that God is putting Abraham in. Major change. Major transition. This is difficult for Abraham because he's 75 years old when God calls to him and tells him to do this. So he's like ready to retire. God's like, no, I'm ready for you to start aspiring to something new and great in your life. Like Abraham's like, I'm ready to just like 
rest and relax. And God's like, you're getting ready for the biggest adventure of your life. At 75 years old, you're gonna have the where questions in life. Not only was he wealthy, he was, he was well established. He had a lot to move. He had camels and cattle and sheep and tons of stuff. And he picked up everything immediately. And he took off. Where? <laughs> he didn't know. You're going to have the where question in life too. Like, where do I go to college? Where do I live? Where do I work? Where am I going to transition to, especially later on in life as you're looking at retirement? Things are not totally clear, but this is what I love. Verse 10 says this. Why was he able to do this? For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So Abraham's attitude was this. God, if I'm putting my faith in you for my forever, I'm going to put my full faith in you for today and tomorrow. If I'm expecting heaven and I've got a ton of faith for that, then I can have a ton of faith for this temporary, fleeting season of not knowing where. Because I know where my ultimate where is. So I can trust him for that. God, I'm gonna trust you for all of my wares in life. And then God says, great. Start moving, and I'll direct your steps. So often, people ask me, one of the things people come to me, they come from, to me for advice and wisdom, and especially with big decisions and life changes and stuff like that. And, and, and so they're like, I've got this option, I've got this option, I've got this option, and I just don't know what to do. And I know all of y'all would love to just have this pastor that when you came to him, he'd just say, this is what you need to do. Thus saith the Lord. I ain't gonna do it. I will lead you and guide you in what it takes for all of us as believers to hear from God. But what I will tell people a lot of times is this. What is your motive? First of all, if your motive's off, it's gonna be hard for you to make the right decision. But if you know what your motive is and your motive is ultimately to bring glory to God and to be obedient to his will, then I always tell people, you take a step towards something. You take a step. Do you have peace with that step? If you have peace with that step, try taking another one. Do you have peace with that step? And if at any point you start taking steps that you don't have peace with anymore, then maybe that isn't the direction God wants you to go. But you've got to take a step and start trusting God for your where. The number two test is a promise on pause. Verse 9, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. So this word that repeats itself twice in this sentence is promise. And I want you to underline that, circle that, because promise is a very important word when it comes to the vocabulary of faith. So the big question with this test is, when? When, God? God says, I'm going to give you the promised land. And Abraham wanted to know, well, when is that? But, but the fact is, Abraham didn't wait just his, his whole life. But Isaac waited his whole life. Jacob waited his whole life. Three generations, and they were still living in tents the whole time. 
How many of y'all like camping? Anybody like camping in the house? Okay. Now, I find when I ask people if they like camping, they have a different context for camping than I do. Now, I, I, granted, I was born and raised in Colorado, so maybe that just is what makes it different. When I think of camping, I think of a tent, right? Like camping. When I say camping to some of y'all, you're like, oh, yes, my RRV is amazing. Air conditioning, heating, electricity. We have a big old TV in there. Some of y'all, some of y'all, it's like a cabin that you rent that's near the woods. That is camping to you. Like, so we all have different contexts, but could you imagine ladies in the house, families with kids? Not only do you not know where you're going, you don't know when. And while you're working out the wind, you and your whole family are living in a tent together. You imagine the character that will be forged in that time together. They're all living in tents. How would you like to live in a tent? Your family, not just your generation, but three generations. I imagine Sarah was like, Abraham, when are we going to get a real house? When is this all going to be over? When is life going to stabilize? Anybody ask that question lately? When are things going to stabilize? Look, I can handle a test typically if I know when it's going to be over. Like that. I mean, I've gone through some major tests in my life. I've gone through some physical tests in my life. But I knew that I could do it because I knew ultimately when it was going to be over. It's really hard when you don't know when it's going to be over. The hardest kinds of tests are the tests that are given when you don't know when they're going to end. And Abraham never gave up. So I guess the biggest principle in this is a true believer always trusts God's timing. His timing is perfect. And some of you are going through a wind test right now. I would say probably all of us are going through at least one similar wind test together. But, but here's the thing. In the middle of all this, remember this. And some of you, you're in this place. Some of us are not just dealing with the virus. We already had some wind tests that were happening in our lives before this all even started. Things like, when are things going to get better in my marriage? When am I going to get married? When am I going to have a baby? When am I going to get well? When are you, God, going to solve this problem? When are you going to answer my prayers? Waiting is a great test. And as Americans, we suck at it. We are the most impatient people on the planet. I mean, you think about it. We have drive-throughs, right? Because, man, it's just, it's way too inconvenient to actually park and get out of your car, walk into a place. I don't want to have to do all that. But how many of y'all ever been in a drive-through, right? To get fast food. but it is taking like four or five minutes. How many of y'all have been in the drive-thru and all of a sudden you just start seeing cars peel out, getting out of line? You notice they started developing 
drive-thrus where you can't get out? Like the curbs are getting really tall. <laughs> People are like, you're just never gonna be Chick-fil-A. I'm out of here. Because we don't like to wait and be patient for anything. Isn't that always the temptation though? Like if I don't know when it's going to happen, so I'm just gonna search for the quickest way to meet my need. Like if I, can't, if I can't get it when I think it needs to happen, then I'll just find it somewhere. And here's the thing, you can get what you've been praying for from a different source but God, but it will always be a counterfeit and leave you empty. You can go get it. You can go get it. The world will always offer options. For what you've been asking and praying and believing God for. But if you give up on God's best to go get the world's good, you're gonna be disappointed every time. You gotta wait on God's timing. By the way, if you are in a season of waiting, you are in good company. There's plenty of heroes of the faith that waited. But sometimes we're like, we lose context. Moses waited 80 years and all he got to do was see his promise from the top of a mountain. Noah built the ark for 120 years. Let's get some perspective, people. Like we may be waiting, but if we are, we're in good company. Test number three, an impossible problem. Verse 11, chapter 11 says this, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, talking about Abraham, how do you like to me? Ah, look, he's so old, he's as good as dead. <laughs> Nobody wants to be in that position came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. So Abraham is 99 years old and he still hasn't had a kid. And God says, you're gonna be the father of a great nation. And he's changed his name. Abraham literally translates to father of many nations. How embarrassing is that? Like, you imagine Abraham, like, some, you like meet somebody, hey, man, what you, what's up? My name's Joe. What's your name? Abraham. Ah, cool. That means, yeah, father of many nations. Cool. How many kids do you have? Well, none. Oh, okay. How, how old are you? I'm 99. Right. God gave you that name. No, this is going good for you. How embarrassing. It's an impossible problem. It was physically impossible. Sarah had already gone through menopause. The Bible says when God said you're going to have a child, they laughed. So they actually named their kid Isaac, which one of the 
meanings of the word or the name Isaac is laughter. The Bible said that Abraham looked at himself and said, no way. Sarah looked at herself and said, no way. Everybody else looked at it and said, that's gross. But Abraham laughed, Sarah laughed, but God got the last laugh. An impossible problem is, wonder, is when you wonder how. How? Not when, not where, but how. How are you gonna do this, Lord? Well, okay, so we, we have some, some instances in modern history. Alita James had twins at 57 with the help of medical science. There's this Indian man named Ramit. He was recorded in modern history as the oldest man to father a child at 94. But Maury Povic never confirmed it, so we don't know for sure if it actually happened. <laughs> you don't get that. <laughs> You're a blessed person because you clearly don't watch trash TV. Some of you are worried and discouraged and down and you're just saying, I don't know how God's going to do this. God, how am I gonna meet ends meet this month? God, how am I gonna put my kids through college? God, how, are, how can you heal this? How can you heal me? God, how am I going to step into my ministry? God, how are you gonna change my wife, my husband, my child, my boss. But I think this is a key to faith. Expect a miracle even if you can't figure out how yet. The way I say it is this, you pray with full faith because God is able, but you trust him for the outcome because he is God. Test number four, wrestling with the senseless. It's not the when, it's not the where, the how, it's, it's why. And this is the most difficult. Why is this happening? God, that's like the ultimate test. And Abraham is faced with it. The fact is, is that the, there's a lot in the world that doesn't make sense. And, and people will say, it's not fair. This never said it will be fair, ever. There's not one mention of it. There's an, this issue right there in this story, though, that a lot of people have a problem with this. It's one of the biggest questions that people would ask because the next part in the story is God gives them this promise, Isaac. And then not long after Isaac is born, God tells Abraham, now go kill him. I'm sorry, wait. So went through all this, did the impossible, gave this miracle, Isaac, the promise, everything's gonna come through Isaac, and then God tells him to kill him? This doesn't make any sense. God says, this, that's, Isaac's the sacrifice. Verse 17 says this, by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises 
but was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. So in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. I love this. Abraham reasons with faith over emotion. There was no precedent for this. <laughs> In other words, there hadn't been people raised from the dead before this. So Abraham didn't know God like we know God. He didn't, he didn't know the, the full nature of God. He didn't, he'd never seen Jesus before. He didn't know that God was loving and compassionate. All he knew was that God said, kill your son. And the word says that he immediately went to go be obedient. Not like, oh man. I don't know, like, should I kill him? Should I not kill him? Which is what a lot of us sound like raising teenagers. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> but Abraham didn't question. He was just obedient did make sense. There's a lot in the world that doesn't make sense. But this is a test of his commitment. But look how Abraham reasons with faith. In verse 19, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so a manner, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Abraham had dead raisin faith The reason why he wasn't worried about it is because he knew the promise. He's like, well, you told me to kill him. That just means you're going to raise him from the dead. <laughs> Man, wouldn't it be amazing if we all had faith like that? Abraham said, no matter what happens, I'm going to trust God. So many of us may be going through the why test in life. And you're asking God, God, why? Why did I get fired? Why did my spouse have to leave? Why did my kid run off? Why am I going bankrupt? Why did I have a miscarriage? Why did my loved one have to die? Why did this accident have to happen? Why? It's senseless. It's tragic. But I'm going to trust you with it because you see perfectly. You see eternally. You are good. I'm trusting you. So today I presented you with four tests that at one point or another, every single one of us are going to be faced with. And, and all of us on one level or another are walking through a test like this right now. So what's the practical advice that I can give you other than you've got to have faith? <laughs> well, faith comes by hearing the word of God. So the most practical thing I can give you, and it's very simple, it's not gonna take very long because I'm out of time. You need to find your verse that you're gonna build your life on right now. You're gonna have to find some truth that's way beyond anything that you're going to see, hear, or be mandated 
you're going to have to find a place of peace. And, and, and the first prayer has to be this. God, please increase my faith in your faithfulness. And I don't have it right. So if you're lacking that faith for one of these tests, the other great thing is this, is God didn't design you to do the test by yourself. Because there's been so many times when I have faced these tests and I've shared personal stories about these tests before in my own life, in my family's life. We're still walking and living in the middle of them outside of just this virus. There's still things we're still waiting on. We're still trusting God in. And there are times when I don't have the faith. I don't have the strength. What I love is I've surrounded myself with a body of believers that when I don't have the faith, somebody has enough for me. That when I don't know what to pray anymore, somebody's got a prayer they can pray for me. That when I'm tired and discouraged, somebody's got an encouragement, somebody can remember something out of the word that I just need to be reminded of. But I think it's gonna have to start with you. You've gotta come to a place where you recognize you, you are loved by an eternal, sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing God. And he's got a plan. He's got a plan. He's got a plan. It may feel like something is dying around you. Well, just get ready for God to resurrect something too. It's his promise. He loves you. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much that we can trust you. You are faithful. You are faithful. God, those, those simple words, I think they're the catalyst for so many of us. Sometimes it's, it's not enough though just to think them. Sometimes it's gotta be a little more than that. Sometimes we need them to be spoken and declared over our lives. And sometimes we can speak those things. Sometimes we need other people to speak those things. But God, I thank you that they are true. But I know that, that as strong as my relationship is with you, I know there's times when it's not strong. And I know that I fail these tests miserably when, I, when I'm not connected to you, when I'm not walking with you, when I'm not seeking you, when I'm not reading your word, praying, opening myself up to biblical community. I, but I know it's impossible to pass any test without you, without really knowing that you love me. You have a plan for me. I can trust you. If you're here today and you would just say, look, I just don't even know, I don't feel confidence that I can even trust God. It may be because you haven't surrendered to him. You can't trust somebody you don't have a relationship with. You can't believe somebody's gonna be faithful if you haven't seen their faithfulness. So I, that's the most important thing that we can address. If you're here today and you, 
You feel disconnected from God. You don't feel like you have a relationship with him. And because of that, you, you have a very difficult time with these questions, these tests. You have no hope. I want you to leave here with hope today. So if you're here and you're away from God, maybe you need to come back to him or you just, you've never had a relationship with him. Nobody's looking around and I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I want you just to be bold enough to make a physical act of your free will to admit that's me, that's me, I'm away from him. Not because you raising your hand gets you saved, but because you raising your hand is an act of faith. That is your step today. That's your step towards saying, okay, I don't know where, and I don't know when, and I don't know how, and I don't know why, but I'm gonna take a step. I'm gonna take a step. So if that's you and you're in this place, I want you to put your hand up and I wanna pray with you this morning. You're away from God, you need God this morning. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Okay. Got it, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am, thank you. I respect that so much. God, I thank you for your grace that's fallen on them right now. As they're honest with you, as they just admit this before you, they need you. Anyone else? Okay. Father God, I thank you for those couple of hands. I thank you, Lord, that this, this is designed for them. This is how much you love them. That you would, you would bring them to this place, that you would be here to meet with them, to speak to their heart, to communicate your love and your your desire for them to, to know you. And if you're in that place, you can just simply say this, say, God, I need you. I surrender to you. I, I've known about you, but I don't wanna just know about you. I wanna know you. So I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me because I know that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. But I believe the price that he paid on the cross paid for my sin. I believe that he defeated my sin and he defeated death in the grave because he rose from the grave. But I also know that the only way that I can find hope, the only way that I can pass the test of life is I've got to surrender to you and let you be my Lord. So I do that. Be my Lord. Give my life to you and I repent. I repent, I repent from, from wanting to do things on my own and wanting to live my own way. I wanna live for you. Father God, I thank you for that promise that we have in you, the hope of heaven. We can trust you. You have our wins. You have our wheres. You have all the whats. You know the answers to all the whys. We can trust you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.